everybody to season two of Picking and Putting, episode one. Dr. Z here from the Picking and Putting Corporate Studios, along with Liberty Bill coming from Chicago Sports South Studios here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Newly Welcome, renovated. Liberty. Morning. Welcome to my newly renovated studio. I yeah, I like it. I like all the sports paraphernalia there. We got a who's who of everything there, man. North and South Carolina and Chicago, everything. Even a Don Lewis I thought today in honor of uh, what we used to do last year, and everybody kind of liked it. I'm going to start off with a simple music story, uh, and then we'll and then we'll get into that and go. You'll see how it goes. But first, I got a quick story. I got to tell you, a friend of mine, Kevin Amos from Columbus, told me this is a great story. So Walter Hagen playing at Oakland Hills, which is in Michigan. They've had majors there. I forget. Uh, I think Gary Player won the PGA there or whatever. It's in Bloomington, Michigan. And the members are sitting around the bar, you know, on the weekend, and, and Walter Hagen's in there, and it's in the dark and stuff, and they go, God, that 10th hole, that's the hardest damn hole we got out here. I don't know how anybody plays that. And Hagen's sitting there, and he goes, you guys are crazy. That's the easiest hole out here. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a bet. I'll go out there tomorrow night and play it in the dark and make a birdie. And they're going, God, okay, you're on, man. So they put up their money and all that. They come out there the next night. He tees off, hits the ball. They go down the middle of fairway, carrying their lanterns, find the ball. Go, damn, right in the middle of fairway, dead center. Hits it again. They walk up to the green, got their lanterns, hold them out over their green. The ball's three feet away. They go, good golly, how the heck did he do that? Taps it in, takes their money. The moral of the story was, he put the balls out there the night before. <laughs> I'm talking, if that isn't a hustler, I've never heard it. I just, he told me that story and I thought I was going to cry laughing. Well, anyways, <laughs> that was just off the cuff. So, I looked up, I thought I'd start out with sim something simple just to make the people in Ohio happy today since they're sad about this week. I looked up the origins of Script Ohio and the Ohio State band, you know, everybody knows it's their classical thing that they do at every game. But the musical history of it's fascinating. So if you go back, the original, get this, the original script Ohio was performed before 50,000 people in October 1932 by who other than the University of Michigan Marching Band. Really? And what they did was, if you look up the picture when we get off later, they did a, a, a script. It was a it was script Ohio diagonally across the middle of the field, but they did it in a block. They didn't, you know, march around. They went out and marched their position, but it spelled out Ohio in script. And so because of that, the, the band director of Ohio, Ohio State, was a guy named, uh, I'll look it up here. Oh, I got it. He's a, he was... Uh, I apologize. Uh, well, anyways, he was the uh, Christopher. No, that's the current guy. Christopher. No, no, the guy's name was uh, oh Eugene Weiger, in in the early, in the thirties. So he was the one who started off formations and bands. So by thirty six in October, the first time they did it and they brought it to the field was at Ohio Stadium and they were playing Indiana and they did the formal script Ohio, which we all know today with like 120 band members. And the funniest part of that, here's the best part of that. 
So when they do Script Ohio, everybody knows how the, the drum major comes around and meets the sousaphone player, and then they march around a little low, and then he runs over and he dots the eye and the drum major. Yeah, he runs he, with a high step. Yeah. yeah. So here's the story on that. So they started out with a saxophone or something, and then, then finally they settled on a sousaphone player, and the guy's name was Glenn Johnson. And Glenn comes out, and the drum major picks him up. Well, the drum major's off beat by four beats, by four musical whatevers. And so he marches on, you know, doing his thing, and the tuba player's still hanging back there waiting for him to pick him up. So the tuba player goes on over to the eye, and since the music is still playing, he bows. Yep, yep, like, yep. He doesn't know what the hell else to do. And that was the original dot in the eye. The guy, the tuba player felt didn't know what to do because they were still playing music. So he, he bowed his head and, and turned. And over the years, oh, my God, Jack Nicholas's dot of the eye, Woody Hayes, uh, you name famous people, John Glenn. Uh, I, can't I think remember. when I was there, Ken Burns, the filmmaker. Did. Oh, yeah. It was always, it's always somebody with some historical thing. It was kind of cool. So anyways, that, I, I want to shout out to Glenn Johnson for <laughs> nobody knew who he was. Now, you know, he's the guy who did the original bow. And, and I, you know, I always was scared those guys are going to fall over when they do that. Connected to that, Ohio State and Michigan, I read something this week. If you think about how close we come sometimes, how one hire in sports or in business can change the trajectory, do you realize there's a sequence of events where Alabama hires Rich Rodriguez from West Virginia? That was reported to have happened, and that was their top target above Nick Saban. Rich really? Rodriguez declined the job. So think about that. If Rich Rodriguez goes to Alabama, Nick Saban still wants to get out of Miami. That next year, that Michigan job opens up. Would Nick Saban have gone to Michigan? <laughs> and what does the last 15 years look like? When that, you know, that's crazy because, well, that's like, there is so much story that, that, that uh, yeah, it's it's where you are in life at a particular time. That's like the story I heard, which I love. Bear Bryant gave out a football scholarship at, when he was at Kentucky to um, oh, I just blanked on his name, but he gave out he uh, no one Raymond Floyd. Anyways, he gave out a football scholarship to a golfer at Kentucky so that they could support the golf team. And then when he was at Texas A and M, he did the same thing to support golfers. So I thought that was pretty cool. Bear Bryant. You know, you know, he was a pretty cool guy. You know, I thought that was a great story. Too. He was ahead of the curve in his time, for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You taking that to another level, taking that to uh, we're staying in the Ohio vein, I guess, for starting out. But Urban Meyer, you know, this going to the pros, I think that was kind of like his last frontier. I mean, he doesn't – monetarily, that's not an issue. And whatever the heck the guy decides to pay him is will be some ridiculous amount, but, you know, whatever. But what I was reading is, you know, they've got a hundred million dollars under the cap. They've, yeah. They're going to they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, and you know the, the the interesting thing, if if you look back about some of those guys, they they always make. If you're going to take one of these pro jobs, like the guys taking the Jets, whatever. If you're going to take a pro job, you damn well better hope that the guy whose number is QB is not a journeyman. You need it. So I think the deal is with this guy coming out with Trevor Lawrence, they've got some unbelievable now amount of first round draft picks. Yeah, they have all the picks and all the money. 
and you watch his, his key will be who he brings in as coordinators. And I'll, I'll just go on on a limb and tell you that I'll bet they'll win six or seven games right out of the shoot, just because of organization, not because, you know, there'll be a, it's the NFL. That's a, that's a different, that's a different thing. Cause he's, he's going to get frustrated losing. He has zero experience in the NFL. He's already screwed up his offensive coordinator. He hired Scott Linehan, who the Cowboys fired because he handed the ball off instead of letting Dak Prescott be Dak Prescott. It's going to fail spectacularly. Well, he couldn't that- handle Ohio's the press. He was king of Columbus, and he couldn't handle the pressure with his stress. How's that going to work when he goes five and eleven? I give him two years max. It's going to fail spectacular. Well, I don't. You know, it's it's interesting that they all. It drives me nuts in the NFL how they recirculate everybody. Anyways, you know, the guy got fired two years ago. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's a defensive coordinator for two years. It's just like it's just like Nick Saban with his uh, OCs and DCs. He just takes. Think how brilliant that technique is. So Amazing. now he just hired another head coach to be his offensive coordinator. Yep. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. And Bill O'Brien will be great. It's basically uh, the coaching rehab center is, is what it is. If you get fired or have like a misconduct issue, like Steve Sarkeesian had a drinking problem at USC and got fired, but he reinvented the Alabama offense. And now he's the head coach at Texas. So yeah. I don't know, Saban, I give him a ton of credit. He constantly evolves. Well, and the he, second he gets beat, he totally changes everything. And but and he admits, I was reading after this game. He said, "No, I I didn't I didn't tread on Sark at all." You I mean he ran the offense, and I mean the offense was obviously spectacular. You know, there's another issue for me because I the uh, it what what what. If you're going to be a coach, what made Alabama this year? What I knew at the coin toss, but when the left tackle was the captain, he walked out and he was about six foot four hundred and three hundred twenty pounds with two percent body fat. And I said, "Whoa!" Yeah, I mean, it's their people, offensive line. It's the lines, and that I could have stood back there and passed that Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, they had one picture from the top where they had the entire you could truly say this is a classic pocket because it looked like this. And this kid was standing back here and he just go. And the other thing they did, if you remember, I thought was very cool is they kept running him around the back. So they used him kind of like, you know, he had such great speed. All they got to do is get the ball in his hands and then let him go. Yeah. They used a lot of pre-snap motion. So yeah. While everybody's at the line, but before they snap it, they dictated the matchups and often ended up with him on a linebacker, Devontae Smith on a linebacker. Oof. But yeah. hey, man, Justin Fields in those two playoff games impressed the hell out of me, and I think he secured the number two pick in the draft. Well, the only thing was, well, when they played Northwestern, it was obvious that he missed his, he missed his uh, Greg Olson, as I would say, for the Carolina and Panthers. He that defense it. statistically is better than Alabama or Clemson. Northwestern's defense this year was an all-time defense. It really was. Well, what, what Ohio State showed against um, Clemson was they had a great – their defensive line, everybody in that game played perfectly. But that was the key. I said before that game tipped off that the key would be for Ohio State if they were going to have a chance was if their defensive line could get to the quarterback, and they couldn't. And so since they couldn't, I said, well, then 
they've got equal offensive weapons in certain spots. And so my point to that was the lines. I mean, I go that way with the NFL. This, you know, I know you got to have a quarterback, but then don't worry about your running back and get your left tackle, right tackle, and center. Oh, I couldn't agree more. So that's where I get concerned with Urban Meyer and the Jags. They don't have an offensive line. You bring yeah. in Trevor, if he gets hurt, that's not going to work out. I have a buddy who's a huge Jets fan. They have the number two pick. If I'm the Jets, to your point, I'm trading down. Let somebody else take Fields or Wilson. I want the left tackle out of Oregon, Penny Sewell. That's who I want if I'm building well, from scratch. Well, I don't know how many picks Jacksonville has, but they have a whole bunch of first-round picks. They, yeah. they yeah. could potentially trade up and get Trevor Lawrence and the tackle, Penny Sewell. Absolutely, they could do that. Yeah, I mean, they've got, they, they've got the potential to do that. I, I don't know. I, I, um, it will be interesting to see. I guess, I, you know, we'll see. I, and the Panthers are at eight, and now they have a new GM. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, here's what the Carolina Panthers, just for all you uh, fans out there, we live here, so it's our team in Charlotte. But they – mark my words. They will draft up to get a quarterback. I And and they'll probably do – I think they'll do what you said. If they really said – if the owner says, I want a franchise quarterback and he's going to go after Justin Fields or whoever he thinks, the kid out of Brig, uh, Brigham Young. Zach Wilson. Yeah. If he, if he wants one of those two guys, then he's going to trade McCafferty. Like you said, he's going to get some picks in, in that and McCafferty or something. I don't know. But that's how the, that's a business. That's how the game works. So you can't make it if you haven't got a QB. Well, what do you think about this weekend? Who you're, who's your here's – here's how I want to do it. It's like, it's like PTI. Who you got? Who, who you got? Who's your upset pick of the weekend? I got mine. I, I mean, I don't know that the win, but My I got upset mine. pick. Yeah, you're upset. Who who do you think will lose that is favored? I think Cleveland has a chance. I really do. And they're, they're ten and a half point favorites, but I'm not gonna call them my upset pick. I would say I think the Bucks will go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. Right. My question to because you because that's the third that's the third time. And and now the Bucks are on a different level with Antonio Brown. And I just think that's one. And the other one. Don't sleep on Green Bay. I yeah, know. I was going to ask you. So Jared Goff, the thumb surgery, that was what, December 28th. So now yeah, that was 18 days. What, I what don't, no, it was, 12, it was 12 days when he played last week. And he, he didn't look great. I don't – on your throwing hand. Well, yeah. imagine anything. Imagine gripping a golf club if, you're, if your right hand and your thumb <laughs> just – just so to throw a football 50 yards I was amazed and I don't know see you don't know what degree they say broken but a lot of times it's like with Drew Brees ribs uh, probably a lot of his ribs were cracked okay so that's not good but but they're not like this they're like this or a little crack in them you know so you can get through some healing phases but most of that still takes six weeks. And I don't know if they, with the fracture, I think they initially stuck a pin in there. That's what I've heard, yes. Yeah, so if they stick a pin in there, it doesn't heal in 12 days. <laughs> it just doesn't. Now, uh, they didn't really have much choice. I, I forget their backup now is going to be the old uh, Jacksonville quarterback, I think. 
Uh, Mike Gladiator. Then they have John Wolf. They got guys. No, no, old one. The guy oh, that Bortles. Bortles. Yeah, yeah. Blake Bortles. Yeah, he's the backup for uh, for this. But my point to that is not the offense. It's that the defense was. God, their defense against Seattle was spectacular. So I just, you know, you never know. And uh, uh, that's the only thing that ever ever gets on uh, Aaron is you get some great defense and they get to him. They, you know, you can get to him. He's not quite as speedy as he was. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I think the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl and they're going to play the winner of the Bills-Ravens game. I don't think the Chiefs are going to get there. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers – a lot of people talk about Aaron Rodgers. We know he doesn't have a relationship with his family. Setting all that aside, for him to have a brand-new young head coach come in, for Aaron to humble himself, Aaron has significantly less control at the line of scrimmage. He's deferring to this new head coach, and they're running the ball a lot more. Oh. And when I see that, when I see that humility from a guy like Aaron Rodgers, tells me he's all in to win. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, and then – I think they're going to become the first team smart enough to let a rookie running back, Aaron Jones, coming off his rookie deal, like the Panthers should have done, let him walk away. Don't spend $20 million on the most replaceable position in sports. So the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl and keep on winning. Who's, who's the, 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 the lead example of that is Zeke. Exactly. That's I mean, the Cowboys, they didn't. That is the example. Now they can't afford to pay their quarterback. And that guy's a free agent. And if I was if I was Dak, as much as I might love that job, I'd go out there and look around because Jerry had his chance. He screwed. Well, up year two of the franchise is like thirty five million guaranteed. So you take that. But yeah. then after that, who knows? Well, I the uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I think about uh, that. I would say to you that yes, I don't. I don't argue with you that uh, the Packers could win it all. And I probably would not – I don't argue that uh, Buffalo – I think Buffalo is a great team, but I, I'm, I'm not there. I, I can see them getting there and then not getting at all, but they're going to get one in the next three years. That kid is a great quarterback. And the, co and the coach – you know, that guy was a defensive coordinator for the Panthers under Ron Rivera. Yep. He's, he's turned out to be a good coach. So, and, and their offensive coordinator is the guy who originally came in after Lane Kiffin, Brian Dabble, at Alabama and helped yeah. them win a national title. And you mentioned the Rams earlier. Their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, was an assistant on the Bears staff, and the Bears let him leave. <laughs> but you know what I don't understand, Steve, Bill, is we talk about all these coordinators, and they're, and they're great at that level, and then they make them a head coach. And, you know, look at, look at like the Belichick coaching tree, Vrabel. That's it. Vrabel. And, and it, it's not that they haven't learned his system and tried to work the way he did. It just, you know, and then you turn around and go, well, okay. So look what Tampa did. They just went out and said, we're by, we're doing a George Steinbrenner. We're, <laughs> we're going to try to buy a Super Bowl. And we're, we're taking one year shot at it this year, and it's at our home field. We're going for it. So they've gone out, and Brady got Antonio Brown, who's a generational talent. He's just a pain in the ear, but he's, you know. And, and he's and, living with Tom Brady. And don't they have LaShawn uh, uh, Shady as the running back? Or is that not right? 
Now they got Leonard Fournette. They got Ronald oh, yeah. Jones. Yeah, Fournette got out of Jacksonville. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, we'll see. It'll be cool. I, You know, I don't know. I, I do think that Buffalo – so my favorite – I didn't get to see the Buffalo Indy game a lot because I was watching the little guy. But my favorite game last weekend was Buffalo – or excuse me, Baltimore-Tennessee. And this weekend, that Baltimore-Buffalo game is the one I'm most looking forward to watching just because with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, you never know on any given play what they're going to do. Okay, here's another one for all you TV people out there. Do more Nickelodeon broadcasts because that was – I watched – I ended up watching the whole game on Nickelodeon. I didn't watch Jim Nance, Hello Friends, ever. I watched Nickelodeon. I like sliming in the end zone. I liked it, and they did it professionally. They stuck with football, but the best thing they had was they had the pop-ups that would explain the rules. Even yes. I didn't know some of those rules, you know. I'm going, what a great idea. They could have that on a regular broadcast, have, uh, you know, Peyton Manning pop up in the corner and explain, you know, illegal receiver or something. I go, what a great thing. And then the fun graphics, you know, you could light up the end zones. And remember hockey tried it with the puck and stuff. Yeah, that was gimmicky, but this was – and the other – people are saying that score bug at the bottom that tells you the team, the score, and the time. Yeah. That was easier to read on Nickelodeon than any other NFL broadcast. Oh, and, and so my point to that was, see, what you and I talked about, golf could do that, for example. Golf has no reason not to – you know, the guy gets an eagle and they got confetti come down on the TV. Come on, get – they're so staid. Get away right. from that. You know, it's like – I don't want to listen to Brandel Chamblee. He was really good. He takes the ball that so nicely. Isn't he a nice guy? Eh! Come on, guys. Let's get FedEx Cup. And then every other word, they have to say FedEx Cup. Otherwise, they get fired like Peter Costas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, for the advertisers, you mean. No, but your overall point is extremely – it's good for their business, too. Because if yeah. you look at what actually delivers ratings on TV – it's live sports. It's this year unique with the election, but that won't be happening anymore. Yeah. So why not use your other channels? If you're Disney, use your other channels for alternative broadcasts for kids, for hardcore football people. Like, I don't want Jim Nance telling me what I know. Give me some hardcore football person. There should be three broadcasts for every game. Well, that's the point. What, what has happened the last couple of years? Soccer has exploded on our on the American TV networks, you know, from Europe and from ever, Premier League, whatever, you know, Bayern Munich, and you see all this stuff. Well, our sports need to do the same thing. I mean, I, I've told you off and on again, I was devastated when the Cubs got rid of day games as their norm. Now I understand they got to play in prime time. But baseball, of all people, in, and now you're right. They had some rule changes with the uh, uh, the old the old manager's gone to the to uh, oh you know the Cub guy that's gone to Major League Baseball. Oh yeah, Theo Epstein. Theo's gone to baseball, and they've got these ideas about okay, when you pull your starting pitcher, you don't get to use a DH anymore. Yep. I'm going. These are great ideas. Well, they baseball needs to do that on other have broadcasts on other networks, like you said, and go to kids. Yep. Go to kids and teach them the rules and teach them why baseball's fun and all that, because they lost a generation when they went to all the games start, all the world series games start at eight twenty. Yep. Well, there's no kid under 12 that gets to see anything beyond the first inning. 
And it's good for their business too. Like I was watching on, so Freeform had an alternative broadcast with Jesse Palmer, the former bachelor and Maria Taylor, who I think is the best sideline reporter in sports period. And they were bringing in like star Wars actors, various Disney personalities and seamlessly blending in the action from the game with like the forces with you references. And, it, you know, it's not for me. I want to watch the game, but I was just checking it out because I'm a broadcast geek. And it was cool to see. And I could see why a kid or someone who's not as into football would be actually watching a football game entertained by that. Well, I think you're right. I think it's just you're ahead of the curve. Like guys of my ilk are still and I'm pretty tech savvy. I'm not a, a, like my friend said, I'm not a technosaurus, but I but I, I still I still see this transition to streaming, you know. I still have my satellite dish and direct TV football package and all that. But as time goes on, that'll be the cool thing that you'll be able to take your fire stick or your Apple TV or whatever the heck you Roku, whatever. And, and pick those things and, and go off and watch uh, whatever sporting event. And I really think the stage sports like tennis, golf, hell, I, <laughs> it, makes, it makes me, I was just watching just to put it in perspective. You want to go, go listen to Robin Williams talk on golf. And he talks about, oh, and TV broadcasting of golf is so exciting. It's like watching the grass grow. He says, it's the next thing next to curling that I love to watch on TV. <laughs> and how long ago was that? Wasn't that 30 years ago? Oh, it's real old. It's real and old. And it hasn't evolved. Well, it's like he said. They need to get that guy from Mexico. And, and you know, when, when Tiger Woods holds out, the guy goes, oh, you know, how good is that, man? I mean, well, speaking of which, you should check out. I've seen the first part. The second part comes out this week. The Tiger Woods documentary on HBO Max. That might be a good topic down the road. little teaser for the audience out there. Yeah, he's, it's been fun to uh, watch Tiger Woods. Well, I was watching a thing today where they were talking about the things that are that change and the things that are the same. And, and I last week had taken a golf lesson and, and the young man uh, showed me a picture and an, a brief explanation of the golf swing by Ben Hogan. And it was from 1951 and it hadn't changed. And I'd never seen it explained the way Hogan did. And Hogan was very, you just do this. And you go, Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> He didn't have all these, well, you got everything. You know, it's just do this. Oh, yeah, okay. Because you could see it. You know, as simple as simple works, you know, more complicated. Absolutely. Especially in that game. Yeah, especially in that game. So, well, I don't know. I, you know, we can get off into other stuff, but, but college basketball, I hope they make it through. And I know they're going to do everything in Indiana, but, you know, yeah, my buddy was beating on me. He says, well, North Carolina is no good. And I said, well, Hey, the way it is, look at Kentucky, look at North Carolina, look at Coach K. He canceled all his, you know, I think his team's not very good. So Coach K, of course, will probably cancel his season because he doesn't want to have any losses. I don't know. Sorry, Coach K. But that being said, I I I, I agree with what he stated early on, and and Patino said it, and I don't know if Roy Williams said it or whatever, but they should have probably pushed it back to May. Yep. They still could have had the tournament in May. Yep. Um, 
And I agree. What they're going to do is obviously they're going to do a micro um, NBA bubble and use Indianapolis as a center. Yep. You know, and they'll, they'll use Butler and uh, they've got three major arenas there and they'll probably go down to Bloomington. And yeah, well, Nut City's pulled off the Super Bowl and had rave reviews from media, vendors, everyone. So they can do it. Uh, it's just to your point, getting there. Like the Iowa game was canceled the other night. Michigan State had a couple of players. And frankly, if these power five schools with unlimited testing and resources and can't get it done, I just get concerned about the little guys, which is what really makes the NCAA tournament fun. Winthrop down in Rock Hill, I think they have one loss. I mean, yeah. they're rolling, and they would have been in the tournament last hey, year. Michi Michigan's guys. rolling with the old, uh, the old, uh, you know, Michigan kid, the four guys that were the special Michigan team. Jalen Rose, isn't that who's coaching them? Or not Jalen Rose. Um, yeah, right. In the, the coach of the University of Michigan, they're undefeated. Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard. I'm thinking of Jalen Rose. He, he was part of that group. Oh, the Big Ten is as good as it's ever been. You, Iowa, yeah, Wisconsin, basketball. They're the best, Illinois. They're the best conference this year. Well, you know what? Yeah. To me right now, I'm gonna. it's just like the NBA. It's going to be L.A. And, and who knows who. But I – in, in the two best teams I've seen were Gonzaga and Iowa. And, uh, and, and then Gonzaga and Iowa played head to head and Gonzaga won, but yeah, but <laughs> convincingly. Yeah. But the deal I said, what my point to that was, is they have upperclassmen. And until you get back to where they um, it's like, it's like the football thing. Everybody's upset. North Carolina, for example, from our area, played in the Orange Bowl, and if the Orange Bowl known that all the team was going to not play, you know, five stars opted out, because and, and, and the coaches defended it because these kids, you know, they could sign a big contract, and the kid who was a quarterback at University of Miami tore his ACL. Yeah, well, there, and it's good for everyone. The other point is, for North Carolina, the younger guys get to play in a big game atmosphere against Texas A&M, and then they have all off season, and that was experience yeah. they wouldn't otherwise. It's good for everyone. The game, like, I, it doesn't matter who wins the Orange Bowl. No, no, I know, but I do well. But the New Year Six don't like it, so I, I'm going okay, fine. If you don't like that, then go ahead and make it eight teams. And, and yeah, I mean, and eventually, who knows? It may be like the old where they had 64 or something. But go ahead and do that, and think of it. You would have had Coastal Carolina play Alabama. Well, you know, you bring up – Even though they'd have Coastal beat them, how, how much fun would that have been? Coastal Carolina and Iowa State, because of the unique rules with COVID, all their seniors aren't good enough to be, like, top draft picks. So right. they're coming back. So yeah. those two teams are going to be loaded. And I wonder if we'll finally see what we see in college basketball where these super veteran teams that don't have the first-round talent – can break through. So yeah. Iowa State and Coastal Carolina are definitely two teams to watch. Yeah, because the last time I felt like that in college basketball was my my favorite coach and my favorite team always was Butler. Because, yep. Brad Stevens. Yep. Yeah, you, you just knew, well, they may not win at all, and they got there once, but but they were just fun to watch. And my dad was the same I, guys every year. And when my dad was a uh, – when I was a kid, my dad's favorite team, and I don't know who the coach was, but the same idea was the Evansville Purple Aces. <laughs> yeah. And they had great basketball teams, and they were the first ones to wear T-shirts. 
their uniforms weren't like basketball jerseys. Oh, is that right? Yeah, go look them up. The, the Purple Aces wore T-shirts. And as a kid, you go, oh, man, because I you didn't want to wear those things where your armpits hung out and stuff and you're 12 no. years old. You didn't like that. You know, so they wore T-shirts. They go, oh, man, I like those guys. So who knows? You know, we'll see. I'm pretty sure Evansville is actually a – because they're up in Indiana. They're a powerhouse in women's soccer today. Are they? So they, they still got one sport. Here's one little thing, more thing I'll throw out there before we bring it to a close, I guess. I'm kind of sad to see that all these schools are canceling their seasons, but what's interesting to me is they're all canceling the women's seasons. So the University of Virginia canceled women's basketball. The University Duke University canceled women's basketball. Yeah. Well, if it's good for the men, women, then it ought to be good for the men. So I don't I that bothers me. Um, I understand it probably, you know, I mean, the, but the men aren't playing in any front of anybody. It's not because of money. Um, I can assure you that college sports is on a 300 mile an hour train that's going off a cliff. And the future of college sports is going to be materially different than anything you or I have experienced. And it will be positive, by the way. Yeah. It'll be less money for bureaucrats, less money for athletic directors and more money for the athletes and less money for these. You know, there's these people that are these CEOs of bowl games that make a half a million dollars to run the bowl book some hotels for like, that's the type of stuff that's going away. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm with you there because I always said, even back when I was a kid and I'm almost 70 now, but, but was if you really, cause I had wanted to play college golf. And if you really wanted to play college sports and really wanted to play, if you weren't the next Jack Nicholas or next, uh, you know, uh, great tennis player or whatever, then you should have gone to division three school yeah. where they didn't have scholarships, but that you would have played and you would have had fun and you could still make it to that next level. If you happen to evolve in your late teens into some great player. So even now, I'm not sure I wouldn't – God, I don't know if my kid was a great football player. These factories are just crazy. But Well, you're going to see more multi-sport athletes, I think. Like, look at Kyler Murray. That guy played baseball and football his entire life, and he's still pretty good at football. I'll tell you what, he, he and Mahomes would have probably been great baseball players. I mean, they'd probably throw the baseball from center field to home plate on a rope. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you watch Mahomes do that and throws it 40 yards and hits the guy on and out at the sidelines, tapping his toes. And you go, really? That's crazy. So, well, I got, I got, you got anything you want to leave anybody with you? Oh, yeah. Golf Shop Radio, Saturdays, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. This week, we have Jason Sobel of the Action Network, who's going to be talking betting. And we are doing our picks every week on the show in the 9 a.m. hour. And where, where do people find that? They find it on the a.m. dial? If you're in the Carolinas or Virginia, you can find it in, on your a.m. dial within your city. Otherwise, worldwide, golfshopradioshow.com. And, and Listen Radio allows you to get a lot of those, doesn't it? That thing, there's an app or whatever. Yes. ESPN app because we're on ESPN Charlotte or TuneIn yeah. Radio. You can right. find us anywhere. Or the podcasts are out on iTunes. We're on Twitter at the Golf Shop Show. If you can't find us, you're not looking for us. Well, I got a quote for you to end things up. You're going to like this one. So two things are inf infinite. The universe and human stupidity. 
And I'm not sure about the universe. <laughs> Albert Einstein. <laughs> I, lo I loved it, especially in this time. Oh, yes. Well, it was a great time. I want to tell everybody, what we, we look for you on Picking and Putting. If you watch us on YouTube, please subscribe and ring the bell and all that. If you listen on any other platforms, like us there, I guess. I'm going to go practice my script. Yeah, well, I like, I like the uh, corporate studios of Chicago Sports South here in South Charlotte. And coming to you live from Picking and Putting Studios. We'll look forward to seeing you again for our next episode. But Happy New Year, and let's get out of this COVID stuff. Have a good one. Well, that's good, Billy. Yeah. Oh, I heard you're all signed up to get the. Oh yeah. The well, like like uh, sometime this year or something. <laughs> it's it's interesting how different states vary. Um, the folks in Michigan, what they were doing is if you go out to a rural count, see, like North Carolina apparently had eight hundred thousand doses, and they'd only use like two hundred thousand. Yeah. And if they don't start using them, they ship them back to other states. So what they were doing up in Michigan is you just go out, to, you go out to Union County, like us. You would go out to up to on Statesville and go to if you knew where to go, and you could get one if if it meant that much. And I said, well, we're just going to keep. You know, my mom's already got both of them. Well, she's a nurse. Yeah, but yeah, my buddies does. in Chicago that work for healthcare, they've gotten it too. It's we've been slow. Did I she mean, get they, did she get Moderna or you know what one she got? See, yeah, that's, the Moderna, that's the Pfizer too, right? Yeah, I don't know. See, I, yeah, I think she got. I think she got the Moderna. That's two doses. So did my buddy, and they both said they got a mild reaction after the second dose. I mean, yeah. just a little yeah. fatigue. Yeah, that's what everybody said. Johnson and Johnson um, is the single shot one. I think. I don't. Yes. Know. No, I, I think you're right. Well, we'll do this again, and, uh, and oh then, yeah, and we'll we'll come up with the. I'm going to keep working on having some musical topics. Um, I'll, I'll keep looking. You know, I do the, I can do the homework. And you should watch the, the Tiger documentary and we could talk about that on an episode. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm playing I mean, term about trying to do it every two weeks. It's controversial. I mean, it's basically, it's an attack on Earl Woods is what it is. But I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Well, he, I mean, he had, he, you know, he raised him from the get-go to be what he was. Yeah, and in all, and this documentary points out in all aspects of Tiger's life, Earl showed him the way, including well, with the women. Well, the deal, well, but yes, but the deal was um, what he taught him was this part of the game. Yeah. You know, he used to stand around and shake coins and do all sorts of stuff to <laughs> bother, to bother him, and it didn't bother him. You know, to this point in time, Tiger's in his own world. I mean, that's what makes a great world. You know, it's like DJ. D DJ could hit it into the make a 22 and then comes back and makes three hole in one. He'd go, what'd you make four holes ago? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I don't know. He And that's what makes a great golfer, you know. So, okay. Well, I'll, I'll send this along to Clay and he can cut off the beginning and the end and uh, and put it out for us and we'll go from there. Awesome. Later, dude. We'll talk to you soon. I like the studio. <laughs>